You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. So over the past couple weeks, we've been introducing our church core values. Everybody say core Core. values. And as we've been discussing, values matter a lot. Right now in our cultural, uh, political climate, everybody's talking about these presidential candidates, which we're not even going to talk about the debate, by the way. So if you think I'm going in that direction, you're wrong. And so everybody's been asking these presidential candidates about their views, about their values, right? Values matter. What you, value, what, you, what you value will always determine your behavior. It's just the way that it works. It always makes me laugh whenever um, I'm walking you know, around a men's ministry group and, and I can tell who the men are who value cars versus the men who value hunting because their behavior is reflecting it. When I see guys and they're very animated and they're telling a story and I see them setting up like an American sniper... And they're talking and they're going like this. I'm like, yeah, that's a hunter. And then whenever I walk by a group of guys and I hear them and they're kind of, you know, all you hear is, I have a hunch on what they're talking about because their behavior is reflecting it. Friend, make no mistake, what you value will determine how you carry yourself. It will determine what you talk about. It will determine what takes up your time. And ultimately, we can recognize that what gets your time and what gets your passion is ultimately what gets your heart. Values matter. Values are constantly uh, coming into play in our school systems. Whenever parents are looking for what school or preschool their kid are going, they want to make sure that that school has good values, that the school is going to honor education, that the school is going to do their best. And so it is in our lives that people are constantly kind of looking into your life to see how you're, how you're behaving because ultimately your behavior is inevitably attached to your values. This is making sense this morning. Values matter. And so as a church, here we are, and we have, to, we have to ask the question, how are we going to behave as a result of what we believe? I want to say that one more time. How we as Christians, how are we going to behave as C3 Church? How are we going to carry ourselves? How are we going to conduct ourselves as a result of what we believe? Because ultimately, people don't care what you believe until they see how you behave. And the two have to line up for people to be interested in what you value. They first must see it through your actions. That is why it is vital that as a church, we not only have our values, but we take them to heart. That we live them out. And so as a church, to answer that question, I would say, you know, how are we going to behave as what we believe? Well, we're going to live out our values. Over the past couple weeks, we've been discussing our first core value as a church, which is this. We are a community that welcomes everyone. You don't have to earn kindness in the body of Christ. You don't have to earn us loving you when you walk through those doors. 
And more so than that, the reason why our core values are so important as a church is because these core values are intended to be lived out outside of the church. It's our hope that you'll carry yourself in such a way where you welcome others because Jesus' word said this, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. There's the behavior. Secondly, we talked about the fact that we as C3 Church, we're purpose-driven. Church is so much more than a religious organization. We're so much more than just an activity center. If it was all about being an activity center and just kind of getting together and feeling good and going home the same as you walked in, we would just arrange parties at, you know, the YMCA. But there's a purpose here. There's a purpose in why we meet. There's a purpose in what we do on Sundays. And it's not just to keep these lovely seats here warm. There's a gospel message at play. And it comes down to the fact that our two purposes as a church is this, that we're going to reach those who don't know Jesus for Jesus And those that do know Jesus, we're going to disciple them. That's why we exist. It's our purposes. Everything that we do comes back to those two primary purposes. And normally I would ask you to say at this point, but you've been up and down and up and down a couple times, so I'm going to give you a break and somebody better say amen this morning or you're all going to stand and do jumping jacks. (laughs) Would you repeat after me this morning as we read through Our third core value is a church. If we can have it up on the screens. We grow. That's your turn. In our giftings. We discover. Develop. And practice. Our God-given gifts. For the benefit of others. Would you pray with me? Father, I just pray this morning that your word would go forth and do what no man could ever do. Lord, I pray that you would open doors that no man could ever open and that you would close doors that no man could ever close. We ask this morning, Lord Jesus, that our hearts would be in your hands. And Father, whatever you desire to do in this place, we just surrender ourselves over to you, recognizing our utter constant dependency upon you. Have your way in this place, Lord Jesus, we ask. Everybody said? 1 Peter chapter 4.10 is what this third core value is based off of, which says this, each of you should use whatever gift, there's that word, gift, you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Using your giftings for Jesus is kind of the overall topic that we're discussing this morning. And I got to say that when I was thinking through this sermon, I quickly realized that ultimately we could turn this today's sermon into 22 weeks of discussing giftings. Because the reality is that God has given us three different categories of gifts. First is God-given gifts and talents. Have you ever met somebody where just you've heard that, that phrase that says they're just a natural And that kind of fits that person. Anybody in here or just me? You know those people where they're just kind of gifted. There's different abilities that they have. I think of the the famous uh, Olympic swimmer, Michael Phelps, where they talk about how his, his stature and the way that his feet are curved gives him perfect form when he's in the pool. 
It just seems like what he has, you can't necessarily learn it. You can't necessarily obtain it. It's just how the way that God has designed him. God has given us all these kind of giftings that are specific to us, our upbringing, heredity, whatever it may be. God gives us this category of giftings. Second is learned and acquired gifts. It's the second category where we have certain things that you and I can be good at. I'll never forget one of my professors in college. He said this, he goes, if you feel like you lack any talents, I want to give you today a skill that everyone could do. And you know, we're all kind of sitting there like, what's the secret formula? Come on, man, teach me this life skill. And he said, show up to class on time. And I remember that entire session that day was talking about how when you show up on time, it shows integrity. When you show up late, you're saying my time is more valuable than everyone else's. And I'll never forget that lesson. There's different things that you and I can read through the word of God where you and I can obtain these giftings by studying his word, by living them out. They're a set of skills that are learned and acquired. And third, there's this category, and I believe it's the most important, certainly I believe one of the most impactful, and that's spiritual gifts. There's gifts that you and I could not learn. There's gifts that are not given to us at birth. That when we open ourselves up to these spiritual gifts, God just begins to move in our lives in ways that I cannot describe. I'll never forget the moment whenever I had a student in my youth ministry. I think I've shared this story before, but I had a student who walked into my youth ministry and um, he had been in and out of rehab, struggling with drugs for some years. And he brought a friend. I've never met this friend, never known this friend. And the, they walk up to me. And as they began to walk up to me, I, I just believe that the, the, the spiritual gift of discernment just kind of was, was, God just kind of set it on my shoulders. And in a moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, that's his dealer. And the kid walked up. And I remember, have you ever had righteous anger? There's anger that's kind of like, oh, that's an angry guy. And then there's righteous anger where you're like, you better stay away from him for a couple days. I just remember getting this righteous anger and I pointed at this kid and I said, you're his dealer. And he looked at the kid who had been struggling in and out of rehab. He looked and he goes, why did you tell him? And he goes, I didn't. There's just different things that God gives us. He works in and through our lives. And so we could ultimately spend months talking about the gifts that God has given each and every one of us. But this morning, I want to talk about some things that we need to understand and we need to live out before we start functioning in giftings. I want to talk about some conditions of the heart that God looks at and begins to work in our lives. And depending on the condition of our heart is ultimately how we will function in these giftings that he gives us. There's a beautiful story that I'm going to touch on in just a moment of the prophet Isaiah, where Isaiah has this vision, this encounter with God, and this encounter is so amazing and so specific and so supernatural that many of the worship songs that we sing here in 2020 have lyrics that are based off of this encounter. This encounter has been talked about for thousands of years, this encounter and the way that Isaiah was used. There's different prophetic messages that Isaiah gave, I mean, almost a thousand years before Christ came to earth, and they were so specific and so so dead on that when Christ came and died on the cross and was resurrected, he fulfilled different prophetic messages that Isaiah gave. I want God to use me like that. Come on, somebody. And there's just Isaiah, he also had a difficult job. He also had to give those messages that were not pleasing. 
He had to give those messages that actually offended and made people angry whenever he began to talk about God's judgment. Hello, 2020. And he gave these messages that God just used Isaiah in such an incredible way. But before we get there, the first principle that the church in 2020 must be reminded of, and the first point that I have with you this morning is this. God has a plan that he wants to accomplish through you. I want us to understand that this morning because we're so forgetful. I want you to know that here in 2020 that God still has a plan that is unfolding. Nothing that's happened this year took God off by, by surprise. And even more so than this, God has this plan that is kind of already active, already living out. It's not dependent on us. It's already happening, and he invites us to be a part of the process. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. This is Isaiah speaking. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, Lord, send me. It's not a matter of if God has a plan. I want us to understand that this morning. It's not a matter of if he's doing something. It's a matter of the fact that God is doing something. Will we make ourselves available like Isaiah did and say, here I am, Lord, and therefore be a part of his plan? Or will we be on the outside looking in kind of with our arms folded, critical of everything that God's doing? God has a plan that he wants to accomplish through you and in you, which we're going to get to in a second. But God desires to work through your life. Do you realize that this morning? That every, whatever job professions are represented here, can I just tell you that your job profession is not your identity. It's what you do. It's separate. Your identity is a child in Christ. That comes first and that ultimately impacts everything that you say and everything that you do. There's that behavior thing again. So we have Isaiah receiving this call and Isaiah responds by saying, here I am, Lord. God's plan in 2020 is still unfolding. I want to tell you this morning that he's still binding up the brokenhearted. God is still restoring lives. God is still doing something in our nation. Come on, somebody. God is still doing something in our churches. In the midst of COVID, in the midst of a culture that constantly we seem to be entertained by offenses, God is still doing something. And no matter how hard man tries, what God is doing cannot be stopped. And he invites us. You want to talk about humility? He invites us, just like he called out and said, who will go for us? Friend, that message could not be more relevant in 2020. Because God is looking at us and he's still asking the question, who will go? And I want to ask you this morning, if you hear that calling, what is your response? Whenever, whenever I was doing my internship years ago, in order to become a pastor, you have to go through an internship. And so I'm at this, this church where um, it was actually one of the, the, the church that I grew up at. And I had this opportunity to do my internship there. And one Sunday morning I was leading worship and I'll never forget. Have you ever just had one of those Sunday mornings where worship, like God is just do, kind of doing like, normally God does something special, but then he has those days where he's doing something extra special. 
And this was kind of one of those extra special days. And I remember sitting there and seeing the atmosphere of worship was just incredible. And, I, and, and, I, and it just seemed like God was moving in this service. And the response in worship was like extra powerful that day. And we're, we're going through this service. And I remember looking down at the pastor and I'm trying to figure out, does he want me to keep going? Because at this point, we're like 25 minutes in. It's time for me as the worship leader to close out the service. But I have the spirit of God that's kind of like, go redhead, Go. And I'm standing there and I'm like, listen, Holy Spirit, I don't want to lose my internship. And so I'm looking at the pastors in the front row and he's, you know, that song caught up in his presence. He was caught up in his presence, not looking at me. And so he's kind of sitting there worshiping and I, I couldn't get in. There's this conflict that's kind of happening, and I feel like God's plan wants to work it, you know, itself out into this congregation, and I kind of feel like a roadblock, but at the same time, and nobody ever taught me what to do in this situation in school. I just want to say that. <laughs> I'm going to write a book someday, what they didn't teach me in college. So I'm standing there. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just, this is what we do every week. We close it out here. I'm going to close it out. And so I close out the, the worship service and I immediately felt disgusted with myself. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, friend, but there's different times in my life where I felt like a roadblock to God's will. And that was one of them. And I remember standing there and people are doing this awkward meet and greet where they're shaking hands, but I can see on their faces, they were just kind of like, I wanted more. And I'm ready to just walk out the back door, get in my car and be like, hope you guys have a good day. And the pastor, we're doing this exchange where he's now on the platform getting ready for the next uh, thing on the agenda and we're, we're, we're communicating and and he just kind of looks at me, and I can tell that he's trying to figure out how to tell me, hey, uh, you shouldn't have done that. And so I, I stood there, and I looked at Pastor Jason, and I, I just said, man, I stopped it. I stopped God. And I'll never forget, he looked at me, and he said, Donnie, the moment that you think that you can screw up God's plan, you need to check your heart. And I was so thankful in that moment that, friends, despite my mistake, God still moves. And he desires to move through us. And the most beautiful moment happened where my pastor went up and he began to give some direction in the room. And he said, I'm going to invite Pastor Donnie back up and he's going to lead us in worship. And I came up and the congregation stood and we went into worship as if I had never stopped. I share this this morning because I believe there are individuals in this room where you felt that way once or twice. And the enemy has allowed you to believe that God's plan is stopped by you. And I also believe that sometimes we take a step back and we believe that God bases his plans on our worth. Friends, if you ever feel like God's plan is based off of worth, I just want to cut some of the lies in, in that out for a second. We're never going to be worthy. Nothing that we could do or say will ever put us in the position where we can stand before God and say, okay, God, I've earned your love. 
okay, God, I think I've lived up enough, and now, now I'm ready for your plan to unfold. But because of the cross and the grace that the cross resembles is why you and I can stand before the throne of God, and his plan is worked out in our lives and through our lives. Come on, somebody. God wants to move through you no matter what your past is, no matter what present mistakes you have going on. He still wants to move through you. Here I am, Lord, send me. It's Isaiah's beautiful response to this. But I also have to bring this point up. In order for God to do things through us, we must first call on him to do something in us. In order, so let's say we have that desire figured out, right? God's doing something, I want to be a part of it. But before God does something through our lives, we first must allow him to do something in our hearts. Backing up a couple verses before Isaiah's beautiful response of, here I am, Lord, send me. There's an incredible, uh, an incredible th- uh, thing. I'll just chalk it up to that. A thing that happens, and I want to read about this interaction for just a second. Isaiah chapter 6, 4 through 7. The foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Then the seraphim seraphim flew to me, having in his hand the burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Before Isaiah could say, Here I am, Lord, send me, he had to address the problem of his iniquity. Nothing reminds you of how finite man is like standing in the presence of the omnipotent one. And before Isaiah receives the green light, receives the call, and friends, in 2020, this message once again is so relevant in a day and age when we have promo uh, slogans that say on t-shirts, self-made. I heard from a leader one time, John Maxwell, who had a man come up to him after John Maxwell had just talked about how we need to gather people around us in order to go to the next level in our leadership. And this man came up to him and had the audacity to say, John, this is irrelevant. I'm self-made. And John looked at him and said, that's such a shame. I wonder who you could have been with people around you. None of us are self-made especially when it comes to God's plan. And friend, if you and I want to be used in giftings, whether you've been involved in, in, in supernatural giftings and whether you're kind of like, pastor, I grew up functioning giftings, that's awesome. Or whether you're here today and you say, I don't even know what my giftings are. Friends, I believe that we have got to realize these things in 2020, now more than ever, that God is still at work and desires to move through us. And secondly, we have got to come to a place where we say, here I am, Lord, absolutely. But we have got to come to the place first where we say, woe is me. If you and I want to go to this next level of experiencing, whether it's giftings through him or even a deeper relationship, we have first have to arrive at the place of woe is 
me. The fact of the matter is God will not use an unbroken person. It's not because he can't. It's because God is wise in all that he does. And to anoint an unbroken person is to do something dangerous. And God is not dangerous most of the time. In anointed ways, yes. <laughs> Jonah. <laughs> in careless ways, no, he's not reckless. God won't use an unbroken person. It's dangerous for God to use an unbroken person. You see, an unbroken person most likely hasn't gotten rid of self-sufficient attitudes. An unbroken person most likely still has a stubborn attitude that they might even wear shirts that say self-made. And therefore, in that person's life, because they're unbroken, because they have the self-sufficiency thing going on, I guarantee you that nine out of 10 times, somebody who has this attitude of, you know, unbrokenness, of I'm self-sufficient, they really don't have a biblical view of sin. Sin's kind of not a big deal. Sin's kind of on a grading scale. And friends, simply put, God does not use unbroken people. Isaiah was broken when he encountered God. If you want to experience a brokenness in your life, cry out to God. Isaiah said, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This was a direct encounter. I want to encourage you this morning. If you say, Pastor, I got to get to that level of brokenness. Where do I start? I would say first cry out to God. Secondly, Isaiah was honest with God. There's no front, there's nothing superficial about Isaiah standing there and saying, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Friends, if you want to go deeper in your relationship with God, you got to get honest with him. Amen. Nothing to prove, nothing to hide, no, nothing to build shame around. I mean, I just kind of laugh at Adam and Eve in the garden, right? They hid from God. Are you kidding me? God is the hide-and-go-seek champion of all time. Think he's going to have an off day? And in the Garden of Eden, where sin, you know, first makes its appearance in the heart of man, there's this encounter where God gives man the opportunity to come to him. When God asks the question, Adam, where are you? It's not because God is lost. He's giving Adam an opportunity to be broken. He's giving Adam an opportunity to come and confess to his father. Friend, he was giving Adam the opportunity to be honest. If you want to encounter God, if you want to grow in your giftings and discover giftings, I suggest that you ask for God to reveal himself and secondly, get honest with him. Isaiah encountered God when he was made clean by God. And the response was, your guilt is taken away. Friend, repentance still needs to be a part of what we do as the body of Christ. And lastly, he was hungry for God. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Friend, if you want to encounter God, if you want to grow in your giftings, if you want to discover your giftings, if you want to be used in greater propensities, get hungry, get honest, look for him. Is this making sense this morning?
If you want God to bless and use your giftings and lead you into discovering new ones, you must first be broken by him. What does this matter, pastor, your giftings and how you use them? What does it matter if I just kind of go on life and and, and, and die spiritually fat and happy? And what, it, what, what does it matter if I just kind of go through life to arrive safely at death, as Mark Batterson puts it? What does it matter? Or maybe it's the other side of this where we're just too afraid. Pastor, I know what God's calling me to do. I have an inkling that he's telling me to reach out to somebody, and it takes a lot of guts that, that I can't produce right now. Maybe it's a little bit of fear in those areas. Maybe it's just kind of like, I don't know where to, where to start with this topic. But I want to conclude today as the worship team makes their way up front with this fact that when you and I enter into eternity someday, God's going to ask us the question, what did you do with what I gave you? Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says this. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. This is a time when believers must give an account of their lives in service to Christ. When we enter into eternity, our service to the Lord, and Joe, I just want to thank you in advance for volunteering to help me with this. Would you mind putting that down? And if you can go down here. Thanks, man. You look great. There's a man by the name of Francis Chan who first used this illustration years ago, and I did the righteous thing and stole it from him. There's going to be a time when you and I give an account. Would you help me unfold this down the middle aisle? There's going to come a time when you and I give an account to God with what we did with what he gave us. You see, so many of us, we focus on what God didn't give us, right? Like I've heard so many people talk about the lottery. Lord, if I could just win a couple million, you know what I could do with that for the church? Only for you, Lord. A little heretical, but uh, you can set it down, Joe, and come back up. Thank you so much. We often focus so many times on what we don't have, especially as Americans. Now, please understand, I am patriotic. I love my country. But I've gone on missions trips that were a slap in the face with reality of how good we have it. But even in spite of that, as Americans, we often still focus on what God didn't give us. Well, pastor, he didn't give me like the gifts that he gave Mike. He didn't give me the gifts that he gave our digital media guys. He didn't give me gifts like he gave and you fill in the blank. And we kind of fall into this, this trap where our lives are revolved around what God didn't give us. But friend, I want to bring it back to my point that someday when we step into eternity, God is not going to ask, so what didn't I give you that you could have you know, used a little bit better? Where did I mess up? We're going to give an account for what he did give us. And here's the reality is, 
This is the best illustration that, that I've seen in a while. Like I said, from a man by the name of Francis Chan who used this. You'll notice that this rope just keeps on going down the center aisle to the back. And you'll notice this little piece of black tape up here. This represents roughly 100 years of life lived. And the rest of the rope, as you could have guessed, represents eternity. And what you do with this will determine what you experience in this. God has given this body here today, our viewers online, so many gifts that are necessary to do the will of God, to dedicate our gifts and service to him, to use in such a way so that someday when we stand before him, we will be able to answer. Here's the hope that someday when we stand before God, we'll be able to look at him and say, God, I did everything that I could with what you gave. And there's a common gift that all of us have right now, right here in this room today. And that's the gift of time. That's the gift of breath in your lungs right now. And it's something that we all have in common in this very second. And this isn't a lot of time. A hundred years compared to eternity. Now I understand when Paul said life is like vapor. So if this represents roughly a hundred years, I want to ask one more uncomfortable question. How much of this hundred years have you already used? And what have you used it for? If we, if there's individuals in this room today who are 25 years old, you've, you've already used almost half of your time. If there's individuals in the room who you are around the age of 50, you've already used literally half of your time. We're not guaranteed a lot of time. But I know this, that with what God does give us can change the trajectory of thousands of lives that you and I will encounter over our lifetime and will deeply impact how we spend this. So friend, as we close today, feel like just this burden in my spirit before we can get to the gifts. God has gifts for you. He wants to use you and a part of his plan. He wants to invite you over. I just kind of pictured like God just standing around like a, uh, almost like a map, a planning center. And he's like, I've got these plans and they're happening right now. And when he invites us to be a part of his plan, it's like him calling you over. Hey, come here, check this, be a part of this. I want you to accomplish this because you're going to impact this person for eternity and your life is going to do this. If you'll just come over with a heart that says, woe is me. If you'll just come over with a heart that says, God, I want to be used with your plan. If you'll just come over with a, a heart that says, here I am, Lord, send me. If you'll just kind of push away any insecurities that might be going on where you say, pastor, I, I don't even know what gifts God has, has given me, but I'm not willing to step out of my comfort zone. If you'll just lay that down this morning, friend. Because one, one thing that we've got to understand is the church is God does not call the qualified, he 
calls you and then qualifies you. It's not a matter of what you have and you don't have here in this moment. It's a matter of your heart. Does it line up with Isaiah? Woe is me. Does it line up with Isaiah? Here I am, Lord, send me. If you feel like you don't have what it takes to be used by God, then you very well might be in a very good place of humility. But now it's time to step into what he has for you. It's time to start discovering what he has for you. Because make no mistake that God does have things that he has given you and gifts that he has equipped you with and things that he is calling you to here and now. It's not a matter of if he has something. It's a matter of if your heart will line up with what he's doing. That's what I'm getting at here today because friends, there is a broken world around us that needs a church that has the heart that says, here I am. There is a broken Fogelsville around us that is desperate for a church that says, woe is me. There is a country around us in turmoil where there are desperate people crying out in agony, asking the question, who is there? And God's sitting there going, who will go for me? Would you stand this morning? I'm going to ask that just for a moment before we conclude that every head be bowed and every eye closed. And I've got to ask the question, if you're here today, can you remember a moment in time when you've given your life to Christ? Because that ultimately is the first step to all of this. It's the first step to eternity. It's the first step to being used by God. It's the first step to discovering your purpose. It's the first step to God opening up giftings in your life. It's the first step to our relationship with him is actually entering into that relationship. And the Bible says that it is so simple that a child can do it. One of the things that I love about the way that God works is children can understand it and yet philosophers and theologians are baffled by what God does. And so here in this moment, I want to ask the question without anybody looking around, because in this place, everybody has a right to privacy. Is there anyone here today where you look at this and you say, Pastor, I I don't know where my heart is in regards to eternity. If I were to die today in the next couple moments, I don't know where I would spend an eternity. Is there a moment in your life, friend? that you can ever remember inviting Jesus into your heart. And if there's not a moment in time, or maybe there was a moment in time and you've walked away since then, because I, I do want to be clear this morning that when we, when we enter into this relationship with Jesus Christ, he's with us. It's not something that we have to do daily. But I do want to extend the invitation this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you're here today and you can't ever remember a time when you've given your life to Christ and you say, Pastor, I want that assurance that if I were to die today, that I would begin to walk in eternity. And even if you don't see Jesus today, the hope is is that you will walk in this relationship with him so that he can use you in his wonderful plan. 
In just a moment, I'm going to ask you, if that's you today, and you say, Pastor, I really want that confidence of knowing that I am in a living, active relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you, would you just lift your hand up high and put it right back down? Is there anyone here today where you say, Pastor, I want that to be me. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I feel like it would be hypocritical of me today to talk about eternity without extending the invitation to spend an eternity with Jesus. Is there anyone here today that says, Pastor, that's me. I want that assurance. Once you put your hand up, you can put it right back down. You see that hand? Is there anybody else? You say, Pastor, I want that assurance. Is there anyone else? You're not alone. There's already a couple hands that have been raised. Is there anybody else waiting just another moment? Friend, please do not leave this place today wondering where you will spend an eternity. Eternity is too precious to gamble. Eternity is too precious to be uncertain about. Is there anyone else here today? You say, Pastor, maybe there was a time when you were following Jesus, but you say it's been years. Is there anybody else waiting just another moment? I'm going to ask if if I can have our whole church body just repeat this prayer after me. And please understand there's nothing magical about my words, but as we discussed here today, it's all about your heart. And in your heart, if you truly mean repentance and you say, I'm ready to be joined together with God, I want this relationship, that's what matters is your heart this morning, friend. I'm going to ask our church body, we don't want to single anyone out, so I'm going to ask, would everybody just repeat after me so that we don't make anybody feel alone? Would you say, dear Jesus, make me clean. Use me. Here I am. I surrender to you. You wash me, fill me, use me, send me. Here I am. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just give a round of applause for those who received Jesus today? As I close out with you this morning, I just want to say this. If you want to grow in your giftings, if you want to discover your giftings and use those gifts that God has given you, first, you have to know that he wants to use you. Secondly, you must call on him to do something in your heart. Woe is me. You must have that moment where you say, here I am, Lord, send me. Absolutely. But before that can happen, we have got to come to the Father and say, woe is me, Lord, it's all about you. And you must come to the realization that you've got to use what God has already given you. Friends, I ask you as we close, before Mike leaves us in this beautiful worship song, which says, here I am, Lord. I want you to use me. Before we sing this and kind of close out our service today with making this song our prayer, I want to ask you, church, are you ready to step into action? Are you ready to live this thing out? Are you ready to lay yourself down daily and say, here I am, Lord? Is there anybody here today who says, here I am, Lord? I said, is there anybody here today who says, here I am, Lord? Then let's make sure that as we leave this place today, as we sing this song, that we make sure that it's soaking into our hearts, that we turn this song into our prayer, and that as we leave these four walls today, that we go saying, I'm going to live this thing out and do something for God today. Amen, church? Mike, would you lead us?
broken as my life may be I will give you every piece I hear you call I hear available I say Yes, Lord, I am available. Here I am with open hands, counting on your grace again. Less of me and more of you. I just want to see you move. I hear you call. I am available. I say, yes, Lord. I am available. today. Amen, church. Here I am. Here I am. Would you bow your heads one more time with me? Father, once again, I just pray that you would mold us, shape us, break us, and use us however it is that you desire. I pray that we would be a church that says, here I am, Lord. But I also pray and ask that we would be a church that says, woe is me. So Lord, use us however you desire. I pray that you would lead us as we leave this place, Lord. May your favor go before us. May we walk in the steps that you have ordained. 
because we recognize that here in 2020, there's a world around us that needs you. So help us be your hands and feet today, Lord Jesus. We say, here I am, send me. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, and everybody shouted. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.